Want to improve your leadership skills, achieve your business goals, or grow your ministry? Marketplace Ministry Coaching can help. I have helped countless kingdom-minded entrepreneurs and ministry professionals to unlock their full potential and achieve their goals. Sign up for coaching now and take the first step towards success. Visit MarketplaceMinistryPodcast.com slash coaching to learn more. You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast for kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that examines business through a biblical lens. Your business is a calling, and when done well, brings glory and honor to God. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast where we're edifying and encouraging kingdom-minded entrepreneurs to do business according to biblical principles so that your business can glorify God in everything that it does. My name's Jason Smith, and on today's show, we'll be talking about asking better questions. Recently, I saw a post on Facebook that asked a question that immediately it jumped off the page at me, and I said, that's a wrong question. And when I saw that question, I was inspired to do this show. And so this show is all about asking better questions. If you're dissatisfied with your life, if you're spending too much time wishing you were further along on your journey than you are right now, you're not alone. There's many people who have experienced that. Maybe you have said something like this, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And with that statement, you feel crushed, defeated, and extremely small. All that leads you to ask some incredibly wrong questions. Questions like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I ever do anything right? And why does everything I do fail? I've been there too. I've asked these same questions time and again, and something that I've learned about our brains is that when you ask it a question, it has an onboard servo mechanism that goes to seek the answers for which you pose it. It's an irresistible force. Your brain wants to answer any question that it receives into its its processing. And so, when you say things like, what's wrong with me? You're inviting your brain to engage with your subconscious mind to produce all of the reasons why there's something wrong with you. The same thing happens when you say, why can't I ever do anything right? Immediately, your brain starts interfacing with the subconscious to give you examples of why everything you do is wrong. And again, when you say, why does everything I do fail? You are doomed to get answers to the question, why does everything I do fail? So as soon as you get this answer, you now have an identity. And that's the, that's the thing I want to hone in right now. You can ask questions like, what's wrong with me? Why does everything I do fail? Uh, why can't I do ev- ev- anything right? You can, you can ask those questions. Sure, we all have asked those questions. And you might be tempted to ask those questions. But when you do that, when those answers come out of your mind and you begin to meditate on those answers, those answers become programmed into your subconscious mind and it forms an identity of who you think you are. You think of yourself as a failure. You think of yourself as someone who can't do anything right. You think of yourself 
as something, someone who has something wrong with them. But you want to know something? Those are all lies. Unfortunately, our human condition, where we're born into sin and we're born to, to think about everything that we've done that's wrong and we meditate on these things. You know, growing up, we, how many of you have ever been punished, right? You, you did something as a child and your parents said, go to your room or go sit in the corner and they paddled your behind and you had to think about it. And maybe your parents even said this, go think about what you did. And then come back and say you're sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever experienced that in my life. But if you think about that, it's not so much a nature versus nurture thing. It's nurture all the way. We've been nurtured to see ourselves in a negative light. We've been nurtured to think of ourselves as wrong. We've been nurtured to think about what we've done to cause problems for other people. And so we begin to have a lower view of ourselves. None of us are born this way. We have to learn it. And so we learn that in order to function in life, we have to think of ourselves less than everyone else. C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. He said it's thinking of yourself less. But like I said, we're always thinking less of ourselves when we ought to be thinking of ourselves less. What does that mean? What does that mean, Jason? What are you saying to me? I'm saying that you don't have to feel like a failure. You don't have to feel like everything you've done is wrong. You don't, you don't have to feel those, those feelings and emotions that, that have been programmed into you by your parents or by your peers or by your teachers or by your bosses. You don't have to feel that at all when you recognize and understand who you really are according to God's word. And that's, that's a message that I really want to get into you, into you today is who God says you are. And so we're not thinking less of ourselves, we're thinking of ourselves less. And what does that mean? It means that our minds are more focused on how we can serve others more than what we can get out of ourselves, uh, for ourselves. It's about being selfless instead of selfish. And so there's a big difference between thinking less of yourself and thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less means that you're taking on a selfless posture that you're looking out for the good of others, not withholding good from yourself. No, and not, not practicing self-care. No, this is all about putting others and seeing them higher than yourself. In fact, we do have a scripture that backs that up. In Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So what does that mean to think of ourselves soberly? It means that we recognize our strengths and we think of our strengths according to accuracy. We're not, we're not 
puffing ourselves up. We're not overinflating our abilities, and we're not underestimating them either. We are fully conscious and aware of what our strengths are, and we operate in those strengths. We're fully aware of our weaknesses. What are the things that we fail at, and and what do we have? What do we struggle with? And we're not. We don't feel abased. We don't feel put down because we're not good at a particular skill set. No, we think, oh, okay. I don't know how to do that. I can work with somebody who can coach me through that. I can, I can let somebody else do it for me. Um, but I know that I am weak in this area, and so I'm not going to feel bad that I have a weakness. And I'm not going to look on. I'm not going to look at others and compare myself to them, thinking, "Oh, I wish I could be like them," because I should be like them. No, 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 no. You know, a duck is a duck, and a penguin is a penguin, and a fox is a fox, and a bird is a bird, and a frog is a frog. If a duck can swim, right? Why would we try to teach something that it's not? how to do what a duck can do. A duck can swim, but a, <laughs> I don't know. I'm losing the metaphor here, but you, you get what I'm saying. I'm saying that whatever you are called to do in this life, whatever you're called to do in this life, do it fully according to the skills and the talents and the gifts and abilities that God has placed in you. And don't feel bad if you're, you're lacking in some area because as a body of believers, there's always someone else who will come alongside us to lift us up. You know, when we think soberly, we are fully aware of the things that threaten us. We're fully aware of our opportunities. That's what it means to think soberly. And when we are thinking soberly, when we have a right mind about who we are and what we're capable of, then we truly are operating in humility. And we will we will look for ways to exalt another above ourselves. We don't need to take all the glory. We just want to make sure that we're all doing our part to serve God in the best way we possibly can. And so that's a little bit of what I want to encourage you with today is that you don't have to think that you're less than. No. Honor comes not because we think that we're less than somebody else. It's because we position ourselves underneath them to submit to their authority. That's honor. It's where we say, ah, yes, you are more skilled in this than I am, and I'm okay with that. Maybe I can learn something from you. That's honor. Honor is seeing people in the, in the place that they should be. Amen? So let's continue on with some of these questions. What can you do if you notice that you're asking wrong questions, what should you do? So if you want to change your world, you must start by asking better questions. So let's see, what would happen if we changed some of these questions? How about instead of asking what's wrong with me, you ask what's right with me? What did I do today that was better than yesterday? What did I learn today that has made me a better person? Instead of, why can't I do anything right? Let's ask, how can I do this in the best possible way? What are the best ways of doing this task? Wow, 
it changes your whole perspective when you change or you reframe your questions. Instead of asking, why does everything I do fail? Reframe this question to how can I win at everything I do? Or why do I win at everything I do? Now, it's pretty clear to me that if I win at everything I do, if I just were to ask that question, why do I win at everything I do? The natural response is it's because I'm a winner and winners win. Everything winners do is done to the best of their ability. It may not be perfect, but it's their best work. And ultimately, that's one of the things that's right about them. So when you ask that question, your brain wants to say, wants to immediately tell you, you win because you're a winner. Notice, you win because you're a winner. In other words, you're now changing your identity from being a failure to being a winner. And it's important to understand that Zig Ziglar even said that failure is an event, not a person. So whenever you feel like you're a failure, instead say, ah, well, that didn't work. What did I learn from this experience that I can carry forward so the next time I have a better chance of doing this more successfully? If you can do that, then you will be halfway towards your goal of winning at everything you do because winners don't see failure or loss as, a, as something that's going to hold them back from, from, from fulfilling what God's called them to do. No, a winner sees a failure, sees a loss as an opportunity to learn something. And so then we, we experience the failure, we look at it soberly, objectively, not subjectively. Subjectively is when we, we have a feeling or an emotion or an opinion about it. We don't want to insert our opinions into, well, why did that fail? It failed because da-da-da-da-da, and then we start casting blame. We don't want to do that, but what we do want to do is have a sober picture of why did that failure occur, and what can we learn from it? when we do that, then we're able to do what John Maxwell says, and we're able to fail forward. And that means that we go, as the Bible puts it, from glory to glory and faith unto faith. We're, we're always going to experience setbacks and failures. It's just the natural ebb and flow of life. But how we respond to setbacks and failures, that's what makes the difference between a failure and a winner. People are not failures. No, it's the process. We experiment. Try that the next time you're going to do something. Try instead of saying, I'm going to do this thing, say, I'm going to experiment with this. Because when you say, I'm going to experiment, you're giving yourself permission to try and fail. And if you try it and you fail, no harm, no foul. It's like the scientific method. You, you form a hypothesis, and then you, you execute your, your experiment. You gather data and information that will tell you whether, whether your hypothesis is, is accurate or not. And then at the very end, once you aggregate all that information, you can either prove or disprove your hypothesis. It becomes a theory or not. And then y you... You win. 
And if you don't win, then you re-engineer the whole thing and say, okay, well, this was my initial hypothesis. We conducted this kind of research, and this was the result. So let's try this again and see if we can find something else. And, and it's all about what you learn through the process. So give yourself permission to fail. Give yourself permission to try things out. It's, it's that simple. Just try it out. If it doesn't work, if you don't like it, if it doesn't feel right, then stop doing it. But if it fits and you win, well, why did you win? See, we always want to judge our failures, but we never take the time to assess our wins. Because even in winning, you learn something. So why did that work? Why did it work so well? Why did it, what could we do to make it better? You know, there's always room for improvement. So that would be my second round of encouragement for you today is to try things that you've never tried before and just give yourself permission to fail. Give yourself the ability to conduct experiments and see what the results are. Now, here's a good question to ask, and I would encourage you to take some time after this podcast to ask this question today and meditate upon it and think and sincerely seek God and his word to find the answer to this. The question is, God, who am I to you? Now, when you ask this question, it's powerful because instead of looking at yourself through your eyes, you expand your mind to see yourself the way God sees you. And this is key because our goal in life is to bring glory and honor to God. But when we fail to see ourselves from God's perspective and we judge ourselves as wrong, defective, and useless— what we're doing is we're sinning against God and ourselves when we think negative thoughts towards ourselves. Because now we're saying to God, you made junk, but his word clearly says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, which means God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make anything that's meant to go into the trash. Nothing that's meant to be destroyed. Everything he's made is to glorify him and point others to him. So I cannot, for an instant, talk down about myself. I can't think wrong thoughts towards myself because when I do, I'm contradicting the word of God that says otherwise. And when I do that, it's like, it's like I, am, I am the pottery, God's the potter, and I'm looking at the potter and saying, don't you realize that you have just made me a piece of junk? I don't like who I am. Do you know what you're doing? The audacity that we have to turn to our creator and say something as shameful as that, that we think we know better than him, that we're unhappy, that we're dissatisfied with how he created us, when after all, he created us to be fearfully and wonderfully made. We must adopt his perspective. We have to see ourselves the way that he sees us. We are able, we are confident, we are bold, and we are righteous, and we are compassionate. We serve others from a place of love. And when I say that, I'm talking about the agape love, that brotherly love, that Christian godly kind of love, where we love one another without the expectation of getting anything in return. We don't go into anything with the expectation of getting anything out of it. 
We go into everything with the expectation of giving all we have to give, knowing full well that when we serve others with a humble heart, that God will bless us. So I want to give you a couple of things that you can do to change. So how do we change? How do we change from asking wrong questions to asking better questions, asking questions that will draw out of us the answers that we're looking for, the answers that will propel us to be who God's created us to be? Step one, become aware of the questions you're currently asking. The next time you notice yourself asking a wrong question, take a moment and pause and think about it. Why did I ask that question? Huh, that's not a good question. What would be a better way to phrase this question? These are some things that you should should do whenever a wrong question pops in your mind. You gotta remember that, that the battlefield in the spirit is in our mind. The devil is sending fiery darts at you all the time, trying to get you to believe the lies that, that God doesn't love you, that you are, that you're no good, and that why would anybody listen to you because of all of these problems that you've had in your past? That's the devil. And when he's talking to you and he's accusing you, using your past, bringing it back up, because that's what he always does, recognize that it's him and immediately take your rightful spiritual authority over it and change that thought. Take it into captivity. That's what we must do. We got to take it into captivity. So, Take that moment when as soon as a wrong thought pops up, immediately begin to scrutinize it and ask questions that will help you to reframe it into a positive question. Step two, give yourself grace. Acknowledge that you're going to make mistakes. The devil's not always going to put negative thoughts in your mind. Sometimes it'll be something that um, a loved one said, a spouse, a child, um, your pastor, your um uh, your boss, your mom, your dad, somebody's going to say something and it's going to bring up, it's going to stir up all of these insecurities and doubts that you've had put in you since you were a child. And as soon as those things begin to get stirred up, you're going to think about them and you're going to begin to, to wallow in them. And when you do, just recognize that it's okay. It's part of the human condition. It doesn't make you a bad person. But if you stay there, that's not an option. You have to move away from those negative thoughts, those negative feelings. So give yourself grace. Say, it's okay. I, I see that thought. I'm not going to have it. And then move on. Don't sit there and beat yourself up. Forgive yourself for the wrong questions and for wrong thoughts that come up. And that forgiveness is so key. I remember as a little child, I used to do things and I'd get in trouble often. And when I did, I would, I would feel bad. I'd, I'd experience remorse and I'd beat myself up. And I'd begin to think that 
why would anybody want to hang around me because I have this problem because I'm an imperfect person and, and I often hurt people. And, and these were the things that were, were starting to surface in my life around the time that I experienced depression. And so you have to forgive yourself. When you forgive yourself, you give yourself permission to heal. And that is key. Step three, move forward with confidence. All right, so we're acknowledging, step one, we're acknowledging that these thoughts are going to come and these questions are coming. Number two, we're giving ourselves grace when they appear and we're, we're asking better questions. We're saying, uh-uh, we're not going to dwell on you. We're going to think of something to replace you because what you're bringing to my attention right now is a lie and it's a lie from the pit of hell and I am not going to stand for it. So instead of this thought, instead of this question, I'm going to ask a better question. I'm going to think, a better thought. And so that's what you do. And then step three, you move forward with confidence. Even if you don't come up with an immediate answer to your problem, you just need to trust that in asking the right questions, your answers will come along and present themselves to you at the right moment. Confidence is a result. It's not a requirement. If you're going to build your confidence, you must do the thing. When you do the thing, you will exercise that muscle and you will gain more confidence. You must keep the faith, do the thing, and you'll appear confident in the process. This is not the time to fake it till you make it. This is faith, trusting that God will lead you exactly where you need to go when you need to go there. The last thing, this is an added step for you. We've already talked about three steps to change the way you think, that change the thoughts that you ask yourself. Step one being become aware of the questions you're currently asking. Step two, give yourself grace. Step three, move forward with confidence. And this one is a bonus. It's called meditation. So I recently came across this meditation technique from Tony Robbins, and I thought it was powerful. I said, I'm going to try that out. I've never done this type of meditation before. I've done other forms of meditation, but this one, I'm going to give it a shot. And I'll tell you why I gave it a shot. In the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, I learned about the process of visualization and how visualization can cause you to do things in the natural that you may have never been able to do before. There was a story about a concert pianist who didn't like to practice. And what he would do is he would get his music out and he would airplay his piano, but he would visualize himself in the performance, touching the keys exactly where they needed to be touched. And he would, he would envision the, the response of the audience, and then he would go out and he'd give the performance. And he would do it flawlessly. And there's many times that this will happen. It actually happened with me. Last year, I had an opportunity to stand up and, and present a message to our church in, in the summer. And when I got up there to talk about it, I had not put a whole lot of practice into it. Instead, I used this visualization technique and I practiced delivering my speech in my mind. I hadn't written down anything. I had maybe an outline but I hadn't written down a script. I hadn't written anything to really go into depth about what I was going to say. But, and I didn't even spend a lot of time practicing what I was saying. Instead, I took the time and I meditated 
to be able to visualize myself on the stage delivering the speech and seeing that that word went forth and impacted lives in such a way that it transformed their lives forever. And when I stood up on the platform and I delivered the speech, it was flawless. And I was like, whoa. Now, I say I was like, whoa, but honestly, I, it wasn't until I watched the, the playback because the service was recorded. And when I watched the recording, I saw myself delivering my message. And when I delivered that message, I thought, wow, that looks like I have been doing this for years. It looks like I have spent a lot of time preparing it. And I don't understand when I didn't spend a whole lot of time preparing for it. Instead, what did I do? I visualized, I meditated, I saw myself doing it beforehand. Then I stood up, I did it, and when I saw the, the playback of it, it was exactly as I had envisioned it from the entire beginning. And so visualization is a powerful technique that you can use in your life to improve the way you think about yourself. And this meditation from Tony Robbins is this. He says, to visualize what you don't want as vividly as possible. So bring it into full high def resolution. See that picture in your mind as best as you can. How does it make you feel? And then once you bring that into full focus, begin to visualize what you do want. You've got to know what you don't want before you can figure out what you do want. And so Get very specific. Understand the things that you don't want so that when you create that picture in your mind of what you do want, you're able to immediately bring the, the things that you do want into focus and bring them into focus. And while you're bringing that into focus, allow the what you don't want meditation, that image, allow that picture to fade to black and white, become blurry, and immediately fade out of existence. It's almost like a cross-fade effect. If you were doing this, if you were editing a video together and you wanted to take one scene and move into another scene, you would cross-fade, and they two would switch places, but they would fade through one another. And so you're taking that, that picture of what you don't want, and you're letting it cross-fade into the background while the picture of what you do want cross fades into the foreground, high definition, bright colors. What are the emotions? What are the smells? What are the sights that you're seeing? And you bring that into full focus. When you do this, it's going to engage all of your senses. It's going to create something on, on you on the inside. In, in psychocybernetics, Dr. Maxwell Maltz made a statement that went like this. He said that the brain cannot tell the difference between an imagined event and an actual event. So what we're doing here is we're visualizing the process and we're creating the circumstances in our mind for what we do want. And when we create that, it produces emotions inside of our body that reflect the things that we do want. And when you do that and you've set that goal, that picture in your mind is that goal, it tells your internal servo mechanism, according to Dr. Maltz, I'll tell you what I think that servo mechanism is. That servo mechanism is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is navigating everything of our lives behind the scenes. 
He plugs in, he, he, he plugs into our subconscious mind and he helps us to figure out exactly what we need to do, where we need to go. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to teach us all things and to guide us into all truth. And he's also going to remind us of everything that Jesus ever told us. Uh, so there's this consciousness of the Holy Spirit that we're able to tap into when we are in meditation, when we visualize things, and we begin to tell through our mind what we want to happen. And then we, we just ask God. And then the Holy Spirit gets on the scene, and He helps us, He navigates us towards that goal that we have already created and visualized in your mind. I should say this. It's very important that what you want, what your goal is, is in alignment with the Word of God. I mean, you can visualize whatever you want, and your brain will produce that result. You will end up living the life that you dream. But if you want the best possible life, then make sure that what you're visualizing is in alignment with what the Word of God teaches. And then begin to see God giving it to you. You visualized it. You let the Holy Spirit get on the scene. You've prayed and you asked God and you told Him what you want. My pastor says that a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an opinion. And I got to tell you, one morning, I got up in the morning, I, was, I sat down on the couch to pray and to read my word, and immediately my brain went to the scripture that reminded me that Jesus is our high priest and that, that he sits at the right hand of Father making, making intercession for us. And immediately when that popped into my mind that he is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, it was as though Jesus had appeared right there in the room with me and he stood before me and he put his hand out and he touched my shoulder and he said, what do you want? And I began to pour out to him everything that I wanted. And I can tell you this, I'm confident that he has taken my request to the throne room of God and he is, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for me. And as long as what I ask is in alignment with what his word says, it's coming into my hand. And so I am thankful for that. I'm expecting it to happen. And that's where we need to be. So this whole episode today is about asking better questions and thinking better thoughts. And how do you do that? As a brief recap, you do that by number one, becoming aware of the questions you're currently asking. Number two, giving yourself grace. Number three, moving forward with confidence. And as an added bonus, taking time to meditate and visualize on what you want to change in your life. And as you do that, you will find yourself in a better place than you were when you started. Man, I hope this message encourages you today because it certainly encourages me. I hope that someone out there who's dealing with these negative thoughts and negative questions that are coming at you from all directions, that you're able to find hope in the words that I am telling you today and that you can go out and make a change in your life. Now, I know this is something that we can't do on our own because we need the anointing of God. We need the presence of Jesus in our life. So I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayer. 
I thank you, Father, that you are in heaven and that you hear us and that Jesus is seated at your right hand making intercession for us. So I thank you, God, right now that those who have heard my voice today and those who have been struggling, God, with asking wrong questions, those who have had wrong thoughts and they haven't thought of themselves soberly, Father, I pray that you would give them a revelation of who they truly are according to your word and that this word would come alive to them. It would become rhema and it would it would just manifest in their lives on a, such a level that they cannot help but live it out. And so, Father, I'm thanking you for them right now. I thank you, God, that they do not have to live in a state uh, where they are perpetually lower than everyone else. They can see themselves soberly the way that you see them, Father. And as they do that, they will prosper and those around them will prosper. And so I thank you, God, for them right now. I just ask that this word would impart grace to the, those who hear it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, until next time, we call you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Thanks for listening to Marketplace Ministry. What did God speak to you about during today's show? Join the conversation using hashtag Marketplace Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Got a question for the show? Email us at info at marketplaceministrypodcast.com or text us at 502-833-6136. Keep seeking God first and serving his people well and your business will prosper in Jesus' name. Attention all kingdom-minded entrepreneurs and ministry leaders. Are you looking to connect with like-minded believers and grow in your walk with Christ? Look no further. The Kingdom-Minded Entrepreneurs Mastermind is here to help you discover your purpose, build your faith, and impact your world for Jesus. With only 10 seats available, this exclusive group meets once a week for 90 minutes to offer hot seats and encourage one another in their journeys. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be part of a community that will support and edify you for an entire year. Sign up now for the Kingdom-Minded Entrepreneur's Mastermind and let's make a difference together. Visit marketplaceministrypodcast.com mastermind to learn more.